Well, allow me to add my word of welcome to you all as we are wrapping up our series that we've been calling All In, in which we've been looking at this theme verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul tells us the following. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We've really been talking about what does it truly mean to offer every part of our life back to God, to be all in and sold out for the mission of helping people look, live, and love more like Jesus. And last week and this week, we're specifically looking at two areas that I would argue kind of serve as a litmus test for whether we're all in or not. And those two areas are our time and our stuff. The time God gives us and the material possessions with which we've been entrusted. And the reason why we're focusing on those two things is because when Jesus talked about what it meant to be a disciple, these were two of the most important things that he discussed. He spoke about money and he spoke about how we use our time. He talked about how the material possessions we have are a gift given to us by God, but to be used for his purposes. And so he says how you use your physical resources, your material wealth and possessions reveals a lot about your heart. Likewise, he says how we use our days and the time given to us also reveals whether or not we really are pursuing the mission with everything that we have. You see, it's important for us to discuss these two things because they were important to Jesus, and quite honestly, they reveal a lot about our priorities. In fact, I would argue that if you really want to know what someone values, don't listen to what they say. Rather, look at how they use their time and where they spend their money. And so last weekend, we talked a little bit about our time. What, it mean, what does it mean to use our days wisely and for the sake of God's mission? And this weekend, we're going to be talking about our stuff our material possessions, and our money. And now I recognize this is a tough topic for everybody, and honestly, it's a difficult topic for me too. In fact, as I was getting ready for this message, I realized that I have a little bit of a confession to make. And, and here's my confession. I am someone who absolutely loves to have the latest and greatest when it comes to technology. I mean, when, when a new version of the iPhone comes out or there's new AirPods or I have a chance to get a new smartwatch or something, I'll be honest, I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Now, uh, it's great that Jenny and I have something called a budget because it helps me from going nuts. But honestly, part of the reason I got off of social media was because of all the ads uh, that I would get and they had me dialed in. They knew that I loved the latest and greatest tech. And so as I was scrolling through Instagram, or Facebook, what ads would pop up? It'd be things for like the latest Bluetooth speaker or the latest smart home device or tablets that feel like you're writing on paper that you can then download as PDFs to your computer. I mean, I, I just went nuts. I, I love new digital stuff. But I'll be honest, uh, part of the reason that I needed to get off social media and stop viewing those ads is because I noticed a pattern uh, that would happen when I would see something new digitally. You see, it would come with all these promises about how it was going to make my life easier or more efficient and stuff like that. And, and then I'd buy the device and, and while the device was kind of good, it never quite lived up to the hype. 
You see, I had this kind of vision in my head of I would be like the next Tony Stark, right? Who'd have this like amazing AI computer and smart home and, and be able to do all the kinds of stuff with technology. That's that's my dream. I would love it if life were that easy. And so I'd get these different devices and tools and, and hope that they would help me to do that. But the truth is, is that the reality never quite matched up to the promise. There's something that those material possessions could never truly satisfy. And the reason why I share that is because the story that we're looking at this weekend shows us another person, introduces us to another individual who has a lot of stuff but isn't quite satisfied. It's a story that we find in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus is walking with his disciples and it's on one of their journeys that they encounter a young man. And this is what we uh, hear as we read through this passage. It starts in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asks him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. You see, this young man that Jesus encounters is someone who is truly a spiritual seeker. We learn a little bit later on in the story that he's very wealthy. He comes from a well-to-do family. He has all of his physical needs met, and yet there's something in Jesus that draws this young man to him to a point where he's willing to come and fall on his knees and ask him a very honest question, and that's, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You see, I think that this young man in many ways uh, epitomizes what many of us feel. We, we have our physical needs met. We've, we've maybe gotten the job that we always wanted. And yet when we get that thing or we achieve that, uh, that kind of milestone in our career, we find that it doesn't quite match up to the promise. It's not quite as fulfilling as we thought it would be. And the reason why is because we have this deeper spiritual longing within us. We know that these physical possessions can't satisfy us. We know that the job is never quite going to match up to all of our expectations. But there's something deeper within us that longs for purpose, for meaning, to know that what we're doing is connected to something that's going to last, something that is truly eternal. That's his question. What, What do I need to do to have that? Because he's got everything else. And, and honestly, he thinks that the, the, what he needs is he just needs to achieve a little bit more. I mean, do you notice kind of his question? He says, what do I have to do? And Jesus lists off a bunch of commandments. And he's like, I, I've been keeping those. And what I love is that when Jesus hears that, he, he doesn't contradict the young man. He doesn't say, no, you haven't. I know that you broke this commandment or that commandment. He doesn't do that at all. Rather, he invites him to be all in. Notice what the next thing is that Jesus says to him. Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see what Jesus says? He says, look, it's not about fulfilling all of these commandments. It's about truly being all in with me and the mission. If you're looking for longing, if you're looking for a purpose, I'm the one who can give that to you, but you need to be willing to be all in, 
to drop everything, to, to come with me, to give away what you have for the sake of others. And the, the young man, he, he can't do it. He, he just walks away. Now, there's something that I left out when I, when I read that version. You see, Mark includes a detail in his version of this story that we don't find actually in the other Gospels. See, what's interesting about this story is that it's told in several other places in the New Testament. Matthew has a version of this story. Luke has a version of this story. And they're almost identical, except for one thing that we only find in Mark's Gospel. Right before Jesus tells this man to sell everything, to be all in, and to come and follow him, Mark says something. Here's what he writes. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, Mark actually gives us an insight into Jesus' heart, into the reasons why he tells this young man to give away everything that he has. It's out of love. You see, he looks at this young man with all of his possessions and he sees the longing in the young man's heart for something that lasts for an eternal purpose, to find his identity not in what he's achieved or what he has, but to find his identity in God and in something that truly lasts. And he wants to set him free from that, from the things that are keeping him back from stepping into that purpose for his life. And Jesus knows for him, there's a barrier. And that barrier is his stuff. His stuff is getting in the way of him saying yes to Jesus' invitation to live a life of purpose and meaning. Jesus doesn't tell him to give away his stuff so that Jesus can have it. He doesn't say, give it away so that I can have your possessions. He doesn't, he's not trying to lay a, a law on this guy that's just going to leave him burdened and crushed. What Jesus sees is he sees an opportunity for this man to fully live a fulfilled life, a life that has purpose and meaning, a life that's invested in something that is truly eternal. That's why he says what he says. He wants to set the young man free. And I actually love what he says uh, at the end of kind of his invitation. He, he promises him that if he sells everything and gives to the poor, he will have treasure in heaven and then invites him to follow him. This matches up with actually something Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount when he was talking about our possessions. We actually find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following, where Jesus tells people, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus understands that what we do with our possessions will actually shape and form our heart. And so for this man to be free, for this man to have a sense of purpose and eternal value and, and to know uh, that he's living a life full of meaning, Jesus says his heart needs to be relocated away from his stuff and instead toward my kingdom, toward my mission, towards the purpose that I have for him. That's why he says what he says. And, and I think that this is something that we have to understand and, and wrap our heads around as modern people. Because we often get this backwards. We say that, well, if we can get our heart in the right place, then we'll become more generous with what we have. Or we'll be more free to give away our, our stuff to those who are in need. 
But Jesus says it doesn't actually work that way. That actually, rather than working from the inside out, it actually has to work from the outside in. It starts by giving the stuff away, and then our heart is set free. And I don't know about you, but I've actually found this to be true in my experience. See, back before I was a pastor, I worked in college ministry. And in order to do college ministry on our campuses, like missionaries, we had to raise funds. We had to ask donors to give to the ministry because we knew that the college students weren't going to be able to, to give like a full tithe. We knew that their, that their offerings weren't going to be able to sustain the ministry. Rather, we wanted it to truly be a gift to them. We knew that we were going on that campus to reach people who didn't know Jesus. So we didn't expect them to start from a place of tithing and giving. We needed donors and supporters to send us there as though we were missionaries going into a whole different context. And so I had to go around asking people, would, would you actually become, join our support team? Would you actually give toward this mission so that we can go on these campuses and reach the lost with the gospel, reach people who don't yet know Jesus and introduce them to the kind of full life that he offers to us, to introduce them to his love and grace and mercy? And there were two people who kind of joined my support team. There were some people who said, well, no, I'm, I'm not really in a position to give or we're giving our money to other things, but, but I promise that I'll pray for you. And then there was another group of people who said, yeah, I am willing to give uh, to that mission. I'm willing to join your support team as a donor. Now, let me be very clear. I was grateful for either one. I appreciated the people who were on the prayer team and I appreciated those who gave. But I also noticed a difference between the two groups of people. I noticed that the people, most of them, who said that they were going to pray for me, uh, usually I didn't hear from them very often. When I'd send out prayer letters, I usually didn't get a response from those who were just on the prayer list. Maybe once or twice somebody would check in and say, how are you doing with that? But what I did notice is that whenever I would send out a prayer letter and an update on the ministry, the people who were financially giving always responded. They always wrote back and said, wow, that's amazing that you guys were able to, to have this outreach event on campus. That's amazing to hear that story of that one student whose life was transformed. That's amazing that you guys are now raising up these leaders and they're leading small groups in their dorms. And, and they would also ask tons of questions. They'd say, well, how else can I be praying for you? Do you need volunteers? Would you like me to show up at the conference? Uh, would you like me to be a speaker at large group? Is there any way that we can serve the students? I found that the people who were donors were praying even harder. That the people who were donors were quite literally invested in the success of the mission. Something about giving to the ministry was shaping their hearts around that ministry. They would call me or email me saying, you know, I know of a student in my congregation who's going off to college. Does, does InterVarsity have a, have a chapter at their campus? Can you help them get connected? Their heart started to grow for college students. It started to grow for college students who didn't yet know Jesus, and they wanted to do more and to do more and to do more. You see, I think what was happening there is that this principle from Matthew chapter 6 was starting to work. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It means that what we give to will ultimately shape our hearts around that thing, which means that when we give to the mission of God, it shapes our hearts and our lives around that mission. And that's exactly what Jesus is inviting this young guy to understand. He says, I want you to sell that stuff. Give it to the poor. Then you'll understand what it means to have treasures in heaven. And then come and follow me. That stuff won't be holding you back. That stuff won't bind you anymore. And sadly, he wasn't able to do it.
he wasn't willing to give up his stuff. And actually, at one point, you can almost hear the heartbreak in Jesus' voice. But as the man walks away, Jesus looks around and says to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were amazed at his words, understandably so, because they believed that back in those days, if you had a lot of material possessions, it meant that you were actually blessed by God. And Jesus is saying the opposite. He says, if you truly want to follow God with everything, it means you got to lay it all at his feet and not be bound by it anymore. And I think the reason it's hard for us to give up our stuff is actually because of something that the disciples then say uh, immediately following this. The the disciples are amazed and they ask themselves the question, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. And Peter speaks up and he says, well, what about us? We've, We've left everything to follow you. You see, that's the question. That's part of the reason it's hard for us to give up our stuff is because we wonder, well, if I give up that stuff, what about us? I mean, you're saying it's impossible, Jesus, and, and you're promising us that, that with God, all things are possible, but, but, but we're afraid. What if we give up everything? What will that mean? Will we be provided for? Will our families be taken care of? If we're going to be generous with our possessions, what will be left for us? And and that's an honest question. I think that's what holds so many of us back, especially in uncertain times where the stock market can be all over the place, where our jobs might seem uncertain, where we have responsibilities to our families and to our children. We, We wonder, can I really give up my stuff? Can I really be generous with what I have? Can I really take the step God is calling me to take? Will I be provided for? Which is why what Jesus says next is so beautiful. Listen to these words. He says, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. See what Jesus says is he says, look, you know, I know it's going to be hard. Hopefully you kind of caught that in his answer. He said, there's going to be persecutions. It's going to be tough. It's not always going to be smooth sailing or an easy ride. But here's my promise. I know what you need and I will take care of you. Because when you are generous and you give to God's mission and God's kingdom, what you find is you're not alone. You walk with a God who himself owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Furthermore, you walk with fellow brothers and sisters who know your needs, and who can come alongside you to help. It's the beautiful promise that it gives. He says, when you do this, when when you walk into my kingdom, you're not going alone. You go together. You find ways to support one another, to carry each other's burdens, to give generously to those in need. And furthermore, my promise is that even in the midst of the hard times, I know exactly what you require, and I will provide for you. Might not be the coolest gadget, might not be exactly what you want, but it will be what you need. Because I know you, I know what you require, and I will provide. And the reason we know that Jesus can keep that promise and will keep that promise is because of how far he was willing to go for us. I mean, think about this for a second. Jesus had absolutely everything. He reigned on his throne next to his Father in heaven 
He owned the very stars in the heavens. He ruled over the universe. And yet, when he saw us in need, what was he willing to do? He was willing to leave his throne. He was willing to leave his place of comfort. He was willing to give up everything for those who were in need. He entered our world and became one of us. He bore our burdens. He shed tears with us in the midst of our sorrows. He laid hands on us to heal us. He comforted us and welcomed us in. He provided food when we were hungry, bound up our wounds when we were ill. And ultimately, he loved us so much, he was willing to pay the ultimate price. He went to a cross and he died for us. Laid down his life so that we could live, so that our eternity would be certain and assured. And more than that, he rose again from the dead. And he said, look, not even death can separate you from me. Not even death can, is something that will ever get in the way of my ability to provide for you. For I am raised to new life and you will be as well. Eternity is yours. My kingdom is yours. In fact, I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8. When he's talking with those of us who wonder, can God truly provide for us? He says this. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus knows what you need. He knows what we all need. And what he tells us is that he can and will provide for us. He will take care of us as we follow him on his mission. And more than that, we can be assured that even in the most difficult of circumstances, he will never abandon us. And that even when death comes, death no longer has any hold on us, for eternity is ours. We will never ever be separated from his love. And when we realize that we have everything that we need, we can be generous with everything that God has given us. We can take a step of faith and, and, and give to those in need. We can take a step of faith and, and give faithfully to the church. We can, we can take a step of need and sell our possessions to provide for those who have less. We can, we can take a step of faith and, and give up our time to serve and, and, and to come alongside people in need, to disciple people, to step into positions of leadership. Everything that we have, our time, our possessions, we can freely give back to him. Why? Because he's already given us all things. Maybe there's a step that you've been reluctant to take. Maybe you've never taken the step of just signing up and saying, you know what, I'm going to give faithfully every single month at the exact same amount to the mission of the church. Maybe it's recognizing, you know, I, I keep showing up to worship, but I've never actually served. And I need to give of my time now to serve others. Whether it's with your possessions or with your time, or as we've been hearing in the series, both. God's promise is this, that when we offer those things back to him, we begin to see just how capable he is to not only provide for us, but to help us live out the purpose and the mission that he's given to each one of us, to experience that full and abundant life as we help other people look, live, and love more like Jesus. For wherever our treasure is, 
that our heart will be also. That as we give and serve, our hearts and our lives are shaped around that mission and we become more like Jesus, even as we help others to do the same. And that really is our prayer for you through this All In series, is that you would experience the joy that comes when we truly lay everything at his feet and experience what life is like as we walk with him into the purposes and plans he has to bring his kingdom here on earth, just as it is in heaven. And so with that, I want to close the series by praying. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that when you saw us in our need, you laid everything down. You gave so generously that we might live. And so, Lord, we pray that with what you've given us, we would be generous in return to meet the needs of others, to support the mission of your church, to go out and to be people who are your ambassadors in word and deed, because we know that when we give all that we have back to you, we experience the joy of having our hearts on eternal things. The abundance of life that comes when we know we're living for a purpose greater than ourselves. And that we might see other lives touched and transformed as a direct result of that generosity as we learn to walk with you. And so, Lord, in those places of fear, show us your provision. In those places of doubt, show us that you're enough. And in those moments when we second-guess your generosity, draw our eyes back to you to see you who gave us everything and will withhold from us nothing. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.